I'm going to start by saying be disappointed because I'm not bringing what we had last week. Just putting it out there. Halfway through Phil sharing, my husband decides to tap me on the shoulder and say, um, no pressure, but how do you follow that? It was an amazing time last week, was it not? My husband got healed. Praise Jesus. Those of you that know, my husband is a builder. Um, quite a while ago, he um, actually, like only my husband can. So I get, the f I get um, a viral infection. My husband gets the flu. I break my toe. My husband breaks his toe. But not just one, he'll break two. So I'd literally just given birth to Otto. And uh, my husband, I'd had a C-section. So those of you that understand that six weeks of basically doing nothing. You can't lift your own kids. You can't drive. You can't even pick up a turkey and put it in your oven. Um, so I had my son the 30th of November. And my husband, two weeks later, calls me from work. His back's gone. He hasn't just gone, but he's bed-bound for over a week, which is very interesting as we were hosting for 12 people for Christmas. So my husband has done his back in. He was in a terrible state. We were kind of seeking God as to what he should do as a builder. James and Sharon Dunbar came to pray. And um, we're a bit like, right, we need to press in. Father, what are you saying with this? The consultants have said that actually it's highly likely that he won't be able to continue doing his job. Ah, I'm on maternity leave. <laughs> I work part-time at the same time feeling God saying, give up my job. Um, crazy time. Anyway, God did um, uh, help us with private medical and we got some injections done and he's been doing great. And he didn't tell me last Sunday that he was in a huge amount of pain in his lower back. And I just randomly said to him, not knowing there was any pain, I think you should go up for prayer. So he came up for prayer and he came back a very broken man as his pain in his back had gone, just vanished on the spot. He felt his leg grow an inch and he's got movement in his back like he hasn't. So God is good. Amen. So this morning I get the absolute privilege to start um, that new series. Does anyone find it a bit weird that we don't have Stuart and Judith here? I kind of feel like my daddy isn't here. You know, when we were doing a little meeting about doing preaching and stuff, I was a bit like, he's always been like this daddy bird for me. And he literally throws me out the nest and says, fly, daughter, fly. And then we're having this meeting and then he says, I'm going to go on sabbatical. Would anyone like to preach? And I'm a bit like, don't make me do it when you're not here. <laughs> so it feels very odd to be here. Um, can I just say, family, one awesome send off you guys know how to bring a feast. I've been in church for a long time, and I tell you what, you are the best feast bringers ever. I mean, as a kid, it was usually just a jacket potato that looked like it had died and there was nothing in it. Peas and rice and Christian quiche. That was about the only thing we ever got in the churches that I went to as I was growing up. And then I came to TWCF, I was like, man, these guys know how to feast. So round of applause for everyone that didn't just bring something, they cooked their hearts out. Guys, you know how to feast. And that is awesome. So thank you. I get the joy this morning to start doing grace spaces. So the next few weeks, there's a few of us that are going to be looking over the stories of grace in the Bible. Now, some of these are going to be the classics. You're going to have heard them a million times over. And sometimes you're going to be like, oh, yeah, right. But you know what? We're really believing that dad wants to speak afresh. We're standing and we're believing that God wants to speak afresh over these things. So I was sitting with God. And I was having a little chat with Dad, and I was a bit like, okay, which one do you want me to start with? And then I got the picture. Right, hang on a second. Bear with me. I've never used this thing before. Giles tells me it will work really easily. Giles, which button do I have to press? 
You didn't tell me that. The front one, the right one, or the left one? Hang on. No. Giles, I told you I wouldn't be able to work this. I'm doing it. I'm br- hey! <laughs> Sorry, bear with me. I don't do technology. Um, so I got this picture in my mind the picture of Jesus and the two crosses. I have to say, when I got that picture, I was a little bit like, Dad, are you kidding me? Of all the grey stories to give me, you give me this one, the one that I find incredibly challenging. Let's have a little read. It's in Luke 23, 39 to 43. One of the criminals was hanging beside him and he scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God, even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing. He's done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. It pretty blows me away even reading it out loud. I find it incredibly challenging, this story, because I think it challenges all kinds of judgments that we can, we can make. Now, I want to go back to what Jesus went through before he got to this point. Okay, so Jesus knew what was coming. He also knew what one of his disciples was doing. And he knew what he was just about to do. You see, we know in um, John 12, 4 to 6, that actually Jesus... Judas was already stealing. He was already stealing money from the disciples. Jesus knew all of this. And he also knew that at that point, he was just about to have his uh, beloved disciple hand him over. But you know what? He still chose to share communion with him. He still chose to sit and look across the table at that man. He didn't reject him. He still passed over his bread and the wine and said, Judas, this is my body and this is my blood broken for you. And then he gets arrested. Yet again, he was waiting for them. It wasn't a surprise. Nothing surprised Jesus. He knew that that it was coming. And then Peter, Simon Peter, he was threatened and he was feeling pretty angry about what was going on. So he decides to pick up a sword and chop the high priest slave's ear off. And even then, Jesus was beyond calm, he was kind, and he showed again his ultimate character by healing that slave's ear. Then Jesus is put before three different lots of leadership. Lies are spoken. He's spat at, he's pushed, he's slapped, flogged, and then he's crucified. I don't know if many of you have watched it, but I watched the film, The The Passion of Christ. Now, that has to be one of the most heart-wrenching and lung-crushing movies I've ever watched about Jesus. If you haven't watched it, it's not for the faint-hearted, but it's an incredible movie, an incredible movie. I have to be honest, though, I turned my face away when it got pretty gruesome. And so they say when Mel Gibson um, felt called to um, produce this movie, he got theologians and Bible scholars and stuff because he wanted to make it as, as real as he possibly could. 
Some people are really against the movie and think it's glorifying something. Actually, the theologians and the historians have said that what Jesus suffered in the movie was probably not even close to what he actually truly suffered. That blows me away. I later got the DVD, which some people are going to go, what? Why did you get that? But I got it. And I forced myself. I kind of sat with God and I said to him, do you know what, Dad? If I can't watch what you and your son went through... Yeah, that just saddens me. I've got to watch this. And you know what? It wasn't just Jesus that was doing, seeing that and going through that. He was his dad as well, his heavenly father. His heavenly father stood and watched what his son was going through. He watched every whipping, every spitting of the skin, every drop of blood. His dad was there watching his son watching and knowing there was nothing he could do about it. He couldn't stop it. Why? Because there was such a desperation in the Father's heart to want to rescue us. So he stood there watching. And I thought, you know what, Dad, if you watched it, I need to watch this too. So I did. I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And it really isn't for the faint-hearted. I've got a few, this is one of the images, and I've got, (laughs) oh, here we go. I've got some more that I want to show you along the way. So flogging. Flogging was a beating with objects. Now, we might think belts, we might think canes, but this was the object that the Romans used, and it was the worst kind. Um, It was made to deliver the most horrific scarring upon the body so that every time you took your clothes off you knew what had gone on metal balls pieces of bone yeah it was made so it was made to rip against the skin it was used to go on the back why am i not making this work Ta-da. I don't know if you can see up close, but in the middle picture, basically what it was is it was whipped across the back. And as the metal went into the back, it ripped open the skin. And it was deep. And it was horrific. This is what our Jesus went through. When I was reading up a little bit about it, it's... um, The Hebrews restricted to only 40 lashes... The Pharisees would only do 39 because they would never want to break the law. But the Romans, they had no limit whatsoever. The only thing that they had to be aware of is that they had to make sure that the victim could carry the cross. Well, scriptures say that Jesus needed help carrying his cross. So I think that kind of paints a picture as to how much of a flogging our Jesus had. This is kind of what Jesus looked like just before Simon was pulled in by the Romans to help Jesus carry his cross. Now, guys, I'm really sorry if this is a bit upsetting. I could have chosen much worse, but I thought I would choose ones that weren't going to totally horrify people. But we've got to understand, and I think sometimes seeing visually what it was that our Jesus went through, I think absolutely makes what he is and what he did for us even more astounding. This is what Jesus would have looked like on the cross.
the pain that Jesus must have been feeling at that very, very moment is more than I could possibly imagine. Jesus is the son of God, but he is not superhuman. He did not have an ability to not feel pain. He was a human being. He was like you and I, so every single bit of bruising and bashing and slashing of his skin, he felt just like you and I. And I look at that picture and I think, how? <sighs> how in that moment, looking like that, having the bashing and the beating that our Jesus took, did he and was he even able to hear the criminal from beside him saying, Jesus, remember me? How did he hear him? I don't know about you, but if I've hurt myself, now I broke my toe a few weeks ago. And um, yeah, I am my father's daughter. There has been a box in my hallway for about six months and I still managed to smash my foot on it and stub my toe and break it. I can tell you now there was no grace in that moment for me. I'm holding my foot, the pain up my foot was absolutely immense and as my son's trying to talk to me, I'm a little bit like, go away, mommy's in pain right now. I don't know about you, but when you're in pain, have you got grace for anybody else? Do you even hear or see anybody else? Because I don't. When I've got emotional pain going on, have I got time to hear the person beside me, behind me? Jesus heard. He heard, and if you can imagine the hubble bubble that was going on behind, underneath the crosses, there was wailing, there was shouting, there was insults, there was just so much hubble bubble going on. And there's our Jesus in the middle, and those crosses aren't particularly close together. And he heard this guy say, Jesus, remember me. This blows my mind. And it really challenges me. It challenges me that actually when I've got pain, can I have grace for other people? When the weight of life is really hard, have I got grace for somebody else? Do I hear that person? Can I lift my eyes above my own circumstance and situation to see the other person beside me? Church, Jesus is the person we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be just like him. And yet there's a challenge for me, as for all of us, that when I'm going through my own stuff, am I going to be willing to put out my hand of grace and love and forgiveness beyond somebody else? I also find it really challenging. And I think some people do find it really challenging that, oh, the last minute, oh, save me kind of salvation. I was brought up in a church where there was a lot of judgment over that. But you know what? I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I am so thankful that he is even there in your last dying breath saying, I want to rescue you from the hand grip of the enemy. Now, Jesus did all of this, that we would have life and life in the full, and we'd be able to live this crazy life. I don't know about you, but I literally don't know how anybody is doing this crazy journey called life without God. I don't know how they're doing it. I'm going to share with you that um, this week it's been a rough week, and I'm stood up here by the grace of God. Um, 
my dear, dear friend delivered her baby at full term, sleeping on Tuesday morning. And they don't know Jesus. Where's their hope? Where's their security? She's wandering around so broken and she's got nothing to anchor herself to. I am thankful that we have got a Jesus that hears us even in the state of pain that he's in. I am thankful that I have a Jesus that couldn't give a monkey's what's going on in your life, but the second you say to him, help me, he's there. You didn't say to that criminal on the cross, hey, can you list out all the things that you've done wrong in your life and then ask me to forgive you every single one of them. He didn't ask any of that. Jesus was like, today you will be in paradise with me. Yeah, that is an amen. I love that. No explanation. No needing to say sorry. Just, I love you enough. You're going to be with me. There's a challenge, so many challenges, which is why I felt really heavy when he gave me the picture. Not only did I realize about a week later that I'd actually stolen this because James Dunbar had said he was doing this, and then God had given it to me, and I was like, whoops. Um, but I felt heavy because I was like, guys, this is really heavy. There's nothing ama- There's so much m- amazement about what he did for us, but there's a challenge for us as the family of Christ to actually start saying, we need more grace. We need to start hearing others over our pain. We need to stop judging the lives that we all live because Jesus doesn't judge. That guy that was hanging on the cross, he knew he was taking a risk. I don't know what it was that the guy was doing when he got caught, but he got caught doing something that he knew there was a consequence to, and he was doing it. He was hanging on there because the law said, you break it, that's what you get, and he took a risk. Jesus was there doing that because he loves us. And he still looked at that guy, lifted his head and say, today you will be with me in paradise. Guys, stop judging each other. We've got to stop looking at people's lives and the way they do things and the way they want to do things. And we've got to just start praying that they meet with our Jesus. The second we meet with Jesus, we're in paradise with him for all of eternity. Amen. I really feel like the Father wants to say to people, you've got to stop also bashing yourself. A long, long, long time ago, when I was journeying with Dad, um, I was going, I was at this girls' group, and they sort of said, draw a picture of your body. Um, and draw um, the particular part that you don't like about your body. And I drew mine. And then we were supposed to just sit with the father and talk to him about it. And um, it was amazing how I felt dad flip my picture. And he said to me, Joeda, the bit that I don't like is your back. And the first thing I'm going to do for you is I'm going to remove the whip from your hand and I'm going to heal all the scars all over your back where you've whipped yourself I was flogging myself because I wanted to be a perfect Christian, because I wanted to get it right. Paul himself had a thorn at his side. He wanted to do what was right and couldn't always do it. And my goodness, that man had God's favor over him. And we're still reading about the favor that Paul had all these years later. For those of you that are flogging yourself, 
you need to lay down that whip. For those of you that are on the cross feeling like it's your last chance, he doesn't ask you to explain yourself. He just asks you to say, can I come be with you? Remember me. And his answer to you is, today you will be in paradise with me. Church, you've got anybody that's in your family that is looking like they're taking their last breath, keep praying. Keep praying. We don't know when people go into an unconscious place what the Father's doing. I tell you what, I am thankful that Jesus is there. And he's saying, I've got my hands there. He's got his arms wide open. He's saying, I don't care what your life looked like. I don't want the enemy to claim you. Last breath. Now, that's not a get-out clause for us to do whatever the heck we want and live air however we want and then go, oh, sorry, Jesus, at the end. That's not what that's about. We've got the chance, the opportunity to live in the freedom of Christ. And boy, it feels amazing when you do. And we're still trying. I'm learning more and more freedom as each year goes by. The more and more and more dad wants to give me more and more and the more and more. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And then I see my poor friends, Joe and Terry, walking through the journey they're walking through this week. And I go, you need Jesus. It's not going to take away the pain and the hurt of you losing, Sebastian. But I tell you what, it's going to give you hope. And he's going to give you the strength to stand on your legs again. We're going to take communion this morning. And I just love us to have space. I just love us to be able to come to the table and have time and have space, which is why we kind of just started speaking a little bit earlier. Because it's actually not about what I've got to say. It's actually about you catching the wind of what Dad wants to say to you, what the Holy Spirit wants to plant in your heart. I feel like it's a really meaty, grace-based story in the Bible that this morning could have unlocked and unpacked a whole lot of different things for different people. And I just want you guys to have some space with Dad to ask him, what is it? What is it? Is it the fact that I've got to lay my own flogging whip down? Is it the fact that actually you're calling me to press in and pray for those that are in my family that are of an age where they're going to come and have to make some decisions? Or is it actually for myself to stop judging others? There's this beautiful song. I don't know if many of you know of uh, David, um, Jonathan David and Melissa Helser. They are a fantastic couple. Um, their band is Cageless Birds. And um, I was listening to their album, and there's this beautiful song, The Gospel. And I think it pretty much just sums it up. So we're going to do it a little bit differently. It's come and serve yourself. Come to the altar. There's a table to my left and to my right. And it's just come and have some time with Dad. And then the worship team are going to come up. Worship team, can I ask? You always get left out. Can you come and take communion first, please? Church, family, can we look after the worship team? Can we make sure that we serve them? Because a lot of time they don't get served and they get missing out on this opportunity to share in this meal together as a team. And then I want us just to have time. You can hang out at the altar. You can go back to your seat. You can have some space at the back. The worship team are going to come, and then you're just going to have a free time of worship with our dad.
Dad, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that at the moments that were unbearable when you were watching what your son was going through, you still allowed it to happen. Because your desperation to save and rescue us was more than the pain you were feeling seeing your son go through what you went through. And Jesus, I want to thank you that above the pain that was going on in your body, and even when you were feeling deserted by your heavenly father, and all the noise and all the stuff that was going on around you, you still heard the voice of a criminal that said, Jesus, remember me when you go to your kingdom. Jesus, I want to thank you that your grace is something that we still need to learn. And it is a supernatural grace. Because we're not very gracious, Dad. We're not always very gracious with ourselves or with others. Dad, I want to thank you that your supernatural grace is a free, free gift that we can have. Dad, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, would you have free reign? Holy Spirit, as we come to the altar and we come and share in this incredible grace-filled meal, Holy Spirit, would you release word? Would you release healing? Would you release challenge? I love the fact, Dad, your word says, I discipline the ones that I love. If we need challenge, then bring it. But ultimately, may it all be for your glory. Ultimately, would it all be that we would walk closer to you? Ultimately, would it be that we would walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ? That we would carry a presence of you into a world that needs it? Then Jesus picked up some bread and he broke it and he gave it to his friends. He picked up the cup of wine and thanked God for it and he poured it out and shared it. My body is like this bread. It will break, Jesus told them. This cup of wine is like my blood. It will pour out. But this is how God will rescue the world. My life will break and God's broken world will mend. My heart will tear apart and your hearts will heal. Just as the Passover lamb died, so now I will die instead of you. My blood will wash away all of your sins and you'll be clean on the inside in your hearts. So whenever you eat and drink, remember, Jesus said, I've rescued you.